Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. We need to bring others who have the specialties that are required for us to be successful. And it's so important to identify what we're really good at and then bring on those other people to compensate for what we're not good at or what we're average at because we've got to be exceptional in this business. It's that time of year again, tax season. How are you doing on tax season? How's that treating you so far? Well, if you have a lot of receipts and you're organizing things like your income and expenses and creating reports, and you're also trying to keep up to date with the new tax reform this year, there's a lot of deductions that we can take to maximize return, and there's a lot of strategies that we need to make sure we're aware of. Are you optimizing for the new tax laws? Well, our sponsor, Stessa, teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you the ultimate rental property tax guide. And I've read it. This is the ultimate rental property tax guide. I'm talking about they've got everything covered from opportunity zones to entity selection to establishing a home office, travel expenses, what type of travel expenses are deductible, real estate strategies, tax strategies, capital improvements versus repairs. I mean... This is the ultimate rental property tax guide, and you can get it for free by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. You have to sign up for an account, but the account is free. So when you sign up for a free Stessa account, you will get this guide. This is worth its weight in gold for sure. Go to stessa.com, S-T-E-S-S-A.com forward slash best taxes. And when you work with Stessa, Stessa is a tool that helps every rental property owner track, manage, and communicate the performance of our real estate investment. So it's going to save a lot of time during tax season, but then also through the rest of the season as we go and grow our rental portfolio and optimize that. So go to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. Get that ultimate rental property tax guide. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. We hate that fluffy stuff. And today we got Follow Along Friday. And well, this is a special Follow Along Friday because we've got a guest who's going to be co-hosting this with me. John Caseman, how you doing, John? Doing great, Joe. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, nice to chat it up with you on this Follow Along Friday. Standing in for Mr. Theo Hicks. And Theo, we'll be back, best ever listeners. So I've known John for, was like four years or so? We've been buddies? Yeah, probably, like that, yeah. Probably about, yeah, probably about four years. 
great guy. He's the host of Target Market Insights podcast. He's a general partner on 700 units. I've interviewed him on the show. You can just search his name. One episode was episode 478. And I've been told that iTunes doesn't like numbering the episodes anymore. So I don't know how we'll keep track of that moving forward. But for past episodes, episode 478, I think you still go check that out. So today, Follow Along Friday, similar to other Follow Along Fridays, we are going to talk about things that we have learned recently or observations in our business, not to talk about it, but more to be focused on how it will help you, best ever listeners. So we're always going to be focused on, okay, this is what happened, but here's the takeaway and here's how it can be beneficial for you. So with that being said, John, when I asked you, do you have some lessons learned from this week, you snickered and you're like, <laughs> oh yeah, I got some lessons learned. So how about you to kick off? What do you have going on? Yeah, we've got a few things going on. So right now we're in final stages of getting under contract on a property in the Cincinnati area. And we've been working with a broker on this for a little while now. And what I've realized is that we've had some conversations and I believe he started to lose confidence in our ability to close. And part of that is because we're looking to go hard money up front. And because of that, I was asking a lot more questions about how solid is the building? Is there any deferred maintenance? What's going to happen? All those kind of things. And as we were asking more questions and kind of taking our time, making sure the contract was written the right way, making sure that we understood what the out clauses were, things like that, he grew more and more concerned. So we realized that we want to make sure we address our concerns and mm-hmm. make sure that we're not entering into a deal. We're going to lose money up front or we don't have any out clauses. But on the same note, we've got to manage that broker relationship because at the end of the day, the brokers are the ones giving us the leads, giving us the opportunities on these deals. And we need to make sure that we're building and strengthening those relationships. So part of it for me was making sure that they understood where my concerns were coming from. Mm-hmm. They had full intentions of closing. And as long as the seller was willing to work with us on remedying any of the issues that came up, we'd be willing to move forward. But we weren't necessarily dragging out, signing the contract or things like that. We just wanted to make sure we were all operating under the same premise of, hey, we all want to sell and buy this property. Let's make sure we're putting ourselves in a position to do that. And why do non-refundable money day one versus, say, seven business days? That way you don't have the risk of some things coming up. So that's exactly where we netted out. So they started wanting us to do hard money day one. As we went back and forth on what would make us comfortable, we landed on five business days. That gives us enough time to at least get in there, see if there's anything major that's going to scare us or that we know we don't have in a budget to fix. And if not, if there's small stuff, we can obviously work around those kind of issues. So that's where we netted out. But in that process, that was like maybe the second thing that slowed down our process. And then I was just in town looking at the property right before we signed the agreement. And lo and behold, there's a pretty substantial leak happening Mm -hmm. in the basement. So I sent the video to the broker and then we talked back and forth about, well, how is this going to get fixed? And keep in mind, we're not under contract. We've agreed to the LOI. We have our attorneys hammering out the PSA right now, the purchase sell agreement, but we're not technically under contract. And again, with my money going hard after five business days, I wanted to make sure this was going to be remedied correctly. So this is something else that kind of dragged on the signing of the purchase sell agreement. And I think the brokers just kind of getting irritated that there's different things that keep dragging us on. But again, I'm trying to make sure we protect ourselves and they don't do a crappy patch job to get that fixed. And okay, it's no longer leaking, but 
now I've got to deal with this issue. And who knows what else this is? It's maybe an underlying issue that there are other problems at the property. So for us, it's given us some pause. And I've talked to my partners about it. So it's just one of those things where we have some concern. We still want to move forward. We just need to make sure we protect ourselves in that process of moving forward. Mm-hmm. And why initially come in with non-refundable day one money? Is that where the market is at with properties like this in Cincinnati? Or was that something that you all wanted to do to be above and beyond what the other offers were? It was to be above and beyond the other offers at that time. When we were looking at it, the property actually works very nicely for us because it's seven minutes away from our other property. And it would give us 72 units within a seven-minute drive. So for us, it provides some economy. It's got a nice ring to it too. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So it gives us some economies of scale right there. And we think that that would really help us improve not just the asset we're looking to acquire, but the asset we already have under contract or that we're already operating. So we liked it a lot. And we think that this would be a really great addition to our portfolio for those reasons. So we felt like we can make a strong competitive offer that could put us in a position to move forward. Plus our investors saw it. They really liked this deal. And we felt like it was a pretty strong one to get. And we've been looking at a ton of different deals in the area and not a whole lot is making sense. So this was one that did make sense to kind of check the boxes on a lot of the criteria that we have. So we felt like we wanted to make a pretty strong, compelling offer to get this. Your background's in marketing, right? Correct. Not in construction management, correct? Correct. So therefore, who are you going with to the property who has that expert eye on construction and deferred maintenance and mechanical systems? Who's going to say, oh, hey, John, hold on. There's an issue here, and this is a major issue. I mean, clearly, a bunch of water somewhere. I have a marketing background too, so you and I can stop that. Pretty obvious, but some other things might not be as obvious. Yes, I took a contractor with me on that one just to take a look and see, hey, here's roughly what I have estimated for repairs, for our renovation schedule. I want you to come in, take a look. Let's see if this looks right, what we are projecting. Let's see if there's any concerns you have. So I took a contractor with me. Once we're under contract, we're going to get an actual inspection and have him go through everything, understand the mechanicals, understand everything else that's going on. Because to your point, I have no clue. I'm not the guy to look. All the roofs look the same to me. I mean, I've had people show me, like, you see this, where this has come off? I'm like, no, it looks the same. (laughs) I cannot tell a new roof from an old roof. So that is not my expertise at all. So I definitely am leaning on contractors, inspectors, specialists. So anything water, I want to bring a plumber to come take a look at that, a licensed plumber who can take a look and give me an accurate quote of not just what it costs, but is this a sign that there are bigger issues at the property? Is this something that is an isolated incident? Or is this something that is taking place in multiple places around the property? So that's something that we want to bring in those specialists to help us identify things that I certainly wouldn't be able to find by myself. And I think starting out, I was too proud to admit what you're saying and what I currently say, and that is I'm not an expert in all these different areas, so I need to make sure I bring in the right team members. And that can be a very expensive mistake if we don't admit that, hey, we have a certain specialty and we need to bring others who have the specialties that are required for us to be successful. And it's so important to identify what we're really good at and then bring on those other people to compensate for what we're not good at or what we're average at because we've got to be exceptional in this business. And we need to be competent 
in all areas, but it's impossible to gain a deep level of expertise in everything. I think it's impossible to gain a deep level of expertise in everything because other people are dedicating their whole lives to it. So it's pretty hard. So thank you for sharing that and some valuable lessons there. Yeah, thank you, Joe. So on my side, I got three things, and they are, one's an observation that will be helpful for anyone scaling a business. The second and third are more personal development, but they certainly have implications towards the bottom line with the business. So, and that was my puppy dog, Jack, barking at the UPS man. He's 13 pounds of fury right now. So the first thing is West Coast team members. So I live in Cincinnati. Strangely enough, it's in the Eastern time zone. I don't know how Cincinnati got in the Eastern time zone. That's another story. Cincinnati's in the Eastern time zone, which I love. The challenge is if all the team members are in the Eastern time zone, then when West Coast investors, I'm thinking about investors in particular, when West Coast investors email us, specifically me, and ask a question 95% of the questions are more administrative related. So I always have a a team member handle that. And then eventually they start emailing that team member. Like I want to change my ACH to, or I want to change my checks to receiving ACH, or I have a new address, or were the K1 sent out for this property yet? Something like that. And what I found is we have a West Coast team member. Her name's Chat, and she is an executive assistant for our company, Ashcroft Capital. And the beauty of the time zones is just a wonderful thing, or the dynamic of the time zones, I should say, is a wonderful thing, because if it's six o'clock or even seven o'clock Eastern time, well, it's four o'clock her time, because she's in California, and she's able to handle those requests for an East Coast investor who's emailing us at 7 p.m. and probably not expecting a reply until the next day, and she's able to handle the West Coast investors who probably do expect a reply that day because it's 4 p.m. their time. And it's something I hadn't consciously thought of, but it's an excellent customer service bonus. Or even at this point, you want to exceed expectations. So I'd say it's even mandatory to have, as you scale, have a customer service person or an executive assistant be on the West Coast so that when you do get late night inquiries, mm-hmm. it's still within the business hours of the West Coast person and they're able to respond and investors are really impressed. And like, wait, thanks a lot for getting that addressed so quickly because I'm always being responsive regardless of the time for the most part. But there are certain things that our team members do, the administrative things. So I will just copy her and then she'll address it with them. And it's wonderful. And for your East Coast time zone, do you have a different assistant who kind of helps with the East Coast or are you kind of more involved in some of that? Yeah, I do have a different assistant who helps with East Coast. So we've got the 8 a.m. Eastern time covered and then we've got the 8 p.m. Eastern time covered. Right. So you pretty much have like a 12 hour coverage there between East Coast and West Coast time. That's pretty solid. That's pretty yeah. Solid. Yeah. Have you heard back from those West Coast investors or even East Coast investors about that directly? Not directly, but they say, thanks a lot for addressing this so quickly. So they don't say, thanks a lot for having a team set up so that you can address it so quickly on the West Coast. 
but the takeaway is they're appreciative of it. So any investor in our deals, when you talk to him or her, they're going to tell you we have top-notch customer service. I'd be shocked if anyone doesn't give us five out of five stars for that. And this is one component. Awesome. Awesome. Great. The second thing is, here's the problem. The problem is connected to number one, what I was just talking about, about always being responsive on emails and stuff. Well, the downside to that is I'm always on my phone looking at the screen and it's not healthy. So I was recently interviewing someone and he told me, and he'll be on the show, the interview will go live in about 30 days or so. And he told me three tips. I'll give you two. Two tips to not being on the phone as much, but maintaining productivity. I was like, I'm all ears. Tell me, please, please, please. I need help. And one tip, and this is pretty obvious, to remove all notifications from your phone. Every single notification. No apps can give you a push notification, nothing. Well, I almost did that. I still have my calendar app and I still have text message. So text message and my calendar app, they still do push notifications, but I took away all the other notifications so that I don't get notified on a push notification whenever the app wants to talk to me because then I'm sucked into the world of the phone. So that's one. Manually, like one by one? Yeah. How long did that take you? Oh, I don't have a lot of apps. So three, four minutes. Okay. Yeah. And the second tip, and it's made a bigger impact on my time on my phone, decreasing time on my phone without losing productivity. And the second thing is making my phone, he said grayscaling it so that on your phone, when you look at it, it doesn't look like a carnival or a wonderful playland for you to go into and spend a lot of time, all these different colors and then buttons and stuff to play and push. Instead, just grayscale it. So I have an iPhone. I didn't see an option to grayscale, but I did see an option. It's called Night Shift. And it basically makes your phone like pea yellow type of like a filter. It's very easy on the eyes and a little hard to see during the day, but I don't think I'm hurting my eyesight as a result of doing this. But you can make it a night shift. And I actually do the night shift literally 23 hours and 59 minutes because I didn't see how you could do permanent night shift. So I just have it so it just recycles every one minute every day. So one minute of a day, it's not this way, but otherwise... It is. That's been very helpful. Bugs, Colleen, my wife, you wouldn't believe whenever she looks at my phone, she's like, I can't stand the way this looks. And that's the point. That's the point. So I don't like how things look. So I'm not on the phone zooming around and doing stuff that is not leading to productivity. So from a psychological standpoint, it's to make the phone less attractive. So it doesn't look fun. It doesn't look engaging. And you just do what you have to do on it to get back off of it. That's right. Yeah. And an email is the number one thing I use it for and will continue to use it for. So those are two things, West Coast team member and two tips for not being on the phone as much while still being productive. And the third tip is I have a problem with chocolate. I'm going to admit it. I have a problem with chocolate. And it's something that my family has diabetes. It runs in the family, heart attack, strokes, all sorts of nastiness. Although my grandmother is 103 years old, and my great aunt is 98 years old, and I'm going to visit them soon in Michigan. So the women do a great job living in my family. The men, not so much. And I'm a healthy guy. I just got a physical recently, top-notch across the board. But if I don't fix this chocolate thing, then I know where I'm going to end up, quicker than I should. 
So I've been trying to identify what is the best freaking way to stop eating as much chocolate because there's sugar and everything. I believe it will be nearly impossible. Nothing's impossible in my opinion, but nearly impossible to eliminate sugar altogether. There's sugar in a ton of stuff, fruit, everything. And so I, I don't want to eliminate sugar, but I do want to decrease the chocolate. So I've been struggling with that. And the reason I'm bringing this up is our health leads to our productivity, which leads to the bottom line of our business. So it certainly is all connected. And I've tried many things, only eat dessert one night a week. Well, that one night, you better watch out, buddy. Like, <laughs> we're going the golden crown, going straight to the buffet for dessert. That didn't work. Um, another thing I've done is you know, just have it in moderation. Another thing I've done is just eat it within a certain window of time. Well, none of that worked. And what has worked is, you know, I work with Trevor McGregor. I hire him as my life slash business coach. Coachwithtrevor.com is his website. I've worked with him for five, six years. I'm not sure exactly how long. I've worked with him for many years. And what he taught me recently, and which I've implemented, which has been successful for me, is something called a 50 stack. And what a 50 stack is, is writing down 25 reasons for why eating chocolate will be a negative in my life. I will get diabetes. I will, as a result, lose my toes. Then I won't be able to walk Quinn, my daughter, down the aisle when she's married. Then I'm going to lose my leg. Then I'm going to lose my other leg. So doing some extreme examples of that, but 25 of them for what are the negative consequences of if I continue to go down the path that I'm going down. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, 25 positive things that will result from me not eating chocolate and eating more healthy stuff. So I will be able to run around and play soccer with Quinn and I'll be able to grow my business and optimize my performance and add more value to the world because I won't be focused on my health as much or lack thereof. I'll be focused on contributing. And this is very powerful because it hardwired my mind to think about it differently. And I eat fruit still. That's cool. But the chocolate thing isn't nearly as desirable to me as it previously was. In fact, I have not had a piece of chocolate since then. I'm sure I will in the future. But this 50 stack idea is a great solution for if any best ever listener is trying to kick some sort of habit because it's a lot more powerful than other things that don't reshape how you think about that bad habit. So I thought I'd share because it's worked with me and figured it could work with some other listeners who are looking to reshape something in their life. That's a great tip to share. I can imagine just how visceral it is to sit and write down all of those things, especially when you talk about your daughter and the life that you're trying to build for her and walking her down the aisle and the fact that you might not be able to do that, how that can change. I think there's Tony Robbins has a similar approach where he talks about if there's a habit you're trying to change or you're trying to break, you need to sit down and write all the things about why you want to break it and what your life would be like if you don't break it and what your life could be like if you replace that habit with a new habit. I think that's very powerful stuff. And it's something that we've got some small things that I'm trying to do as well that I think I can take that 50 stack and implement it. So that's a great piece of feedback and great piece of advice. Yeah. And I've known about the stuff that Tony talked about, but I hadn't intentionally done it. 
and packaging it in a way called the 50 stack. In full transparency, the 50 stack, it's supposed to be 50 reasons why it's good and 50 reasons why it's bad. Oh. But I was like, dude, this is a lot. So I shortcutted it and I made 25, 25. Then I told them I'm calling that a 50 stack, but regardless, it's worked. Well, John, how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on? Yeah, if you're interested in attending the Midwest Real Estate Networking Summit, you can go to MidwestRESummit.com. And you can also check out our website, CasmanCapital.com, to check out anything else that we're doing. Sweet. Well, good catching up with the best ever listeners. Good hanging out with you, too. We don't have a trivia question. We don't have a review today. But we did have some helpful things that will help you along your journey. Grateful to be your listener, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Stessa is the essential tool for tracking your rental properties, and it's going to save you a tremendous amount of time during tax season. Stessa organizes all of your rental property financials and automatically creates all the reports you need to file your tax return. And Stessa teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you, best ever listeners, the ultimate rental property tax guide to help you maximize your deductions. Get that copy when you sign up for an account. The account's free. So get the copy by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. That's S-T-E-S-S-A dot com forward slash best taxes. Have you heard about the latest podcast for entrepreneurs called Tough Decisions? Listen to Dan and Danae Hanford as they interview successful people from around the world about tough decisions as entrepreneurs. Visit toughdecisions.net and be sure to subscribe to their free weekly entrepreneurial email. That's toughdecisions.net.